This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 25 of Equine Clicker Podcast. This is the show that takes you to class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. So that's what we'll be doing. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Jeffers, Pet and Equine, and Cavalor Feeds. This is Shauna Karish, and today's episode of Equine Clicker 101, we are going to be talking about body language and recognizing when your horse is going over his fear threshold. So what does that look like? So we're going to work on why that is and then how to identify it so we can hopefully keep them in a good place throughout the training. There's repercussions when they go over, we get them into fight or flight. So we're going to learn some skills to help keep them and recognize that they're staying under threshold. One of the things that people ask me all the time is where can I find clickers? Where do I find targets? Where do I find side buckets? Well, you can find, or even my book or, or videos or whatever it might be. You can find those things on my website. My website is www.on-target-training.com. So if you go to on target training with those hyphens, you will, you can go to the product page and you'll find all sorts of things as well as finding this podcast and even it's a place where you can submit Ask Shauna questions. For all your other horse needs, you can go to Jeffers Equine and Pet. So it's not even horse needs. It could be for your dog or your cow. So Jeffers Pet is a great place to get all sorts of things for you, the rider, for your horse, for your barnyard. So let's learn more about Jeffers. Jeffers Equine provides quality horse supplies at affordable prices. Located in Dothan, Alabama, Jeffers combines the best of both worlds. As a family-owned tack and supply company, you get the kind of customer service only a small business can offer. Yet, with Jeffers' combined buying power of pet, livestock, and equine e-commerce sites, you get a wide variety of products at reasonable prices. So when you need tack or supplies for your horse life, from draft to mini or casual trail to competitive sport, www.jeffersequine.com has you covered. All righty. Well, you know what? This is a really, really important topic. And one, you know, through traditional training, we don't really talk about quite so much. Or, or recognizing threshold isn't something that really people have been quite so aware of. Now with positive reinforcement training, we're starting to pay more attention to, well, sciences too, actually, to the horse's emotions. How do they feel? Do they like this? Are they are they on board with this? How can we change how they feel about it so they like it, they enjoy it, and we're, we're utilizing positive reinforcement training techniques to build a stronger and better associations with the things we're asking them to do. So understanding all of these subtle things they do is really, really important. So we're going to focus on the body language and what it looks like. Do you know, we, people think, or they don't, some do, some don't, that, that, the horses don't communicate all that much, but the littlest, teeniest, tiniest thing is actually a pretty loud communication for your horse. You know, they can't talk like we can, like I can for sure, but they don't talk quite so much. They can't talk. And so they have to communicate things in other ways. So we oftentimes, we don't think a horse is really over threshold, over their fear threshold is what we're going to focus on, but there's also their excitement threshold. We don't think about those things until 
they're they're really big until the horse is snorting and flagging his tail and his head is three feet in the air and his eyes are as big as saucers. We say, oh gosh, look, he looks worried. Well, actually, that communication comes at a really much lower place. And if we can recognize that, we can help keep him in a better place throughout. Now, one of the reasons I think this is so important, I feel like once, this is something I've seen over and over again, once we get the horse to say no, We've kind of triggered that fight or flight. We have them going, oh, I don't think this is a good idea for whatever reason. They're worried about it. They're afraid of what it might be. They're, there's pain. It, it doesn't really matter. I want to know when they don't want to do something or they're having apprehension about it. So if I can recognize it pretty early, I can help to, to change their mind. But if I get them to say no really big and hard and fast, a lot of times what I find is I get no, 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 no. It's harder to get them to change their mind and go to, we have to kind of rebuild the trust or reduce their suspicion to get them back to yes. But if we can keep them at yes and think, ooh, that was a little bit challenging. What can I do to help them? A lot of times if we can stick with yes, we get yes, 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 yes. And we get them trying harder for things as we go along. We get them saying, yeah, okay, I'll try that a little. But it also is really good information for us because it lets us know that was bigger than they let on. It was a thing. We got yes without big giant responses. But I could tell that he lifted his leg and his eye got a little bigger that maybe it wasn't as comfortable as we thought. So maybe this is a good place to end for today. So it gives us good information so we can be successful trainers and, and more importantly, successful partners for our horses. I think this is such a very, very, very important topic. And one of the things I think that's really hard for people to grasp, you know, it's like learning timing, you know, recognizing your horse's body language can be just as tricky. And then you'll get it worked out with one horse and then you get a different horse and it can be completely different. So the more horses you can observe and watch, the better you're going to be. And the more you can think about it without having to consciously think about it, you will see it like language and you will be able to react quicker and help to keep them feeling confident and guiding them through the behaviors we're doing. So when I talk about body language, what kind of things do I look for? And I look for all sorts of things. And, and some of these things are more obvious to some people and, and some not so much, but they're things I, I think everybody should practice and, and get better at. So one of the things I look at, I and I'm watching all the time is I watch my horse's eyes. Do his eyes look big and worried? Do they look all pinched up at the top? Do they look kind of half asleep and checked out? Do they look like they're all of a sudden big or are they looking off in another direction? You know, that feeling when your horse is, you're walking with your horse and you can tell your horse's focus is somewhere else. And you can tell when they kind of bring you back into their focus. Their head doesn't turn, but you can kind of tell that, that they have shifted their eyes that be focused back on you. That's a really important moment for me. I want to teach horses to focus on me all the time. So one of the first things I need to do is be sure that I can can see what their eyes are doing and what their eyes are telling me. There's a lot of information there. Now, I know in some circles, people say, don't make eye contact with your horse. Well, 
that's at the very, 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 very beginning of a wild horse. You know, when I first started working with Taz, our little untouchable, I sat down on the ground and offered food way far away. And I didn't make direct eye contact with her because she was so sensitive to everything that went on. Well, now she loves eye contact. You know, she looks at me all the time and she blinks her big eyes because she knows that it's safe. If your horse still feels worried about eye contact, then you need to go back to some basic things and build up a better relationship with your horse. So by the time we're at this point in time, by the time you're interacting, riding your horse, bringing them in, putting a halter on, all of that stuff, your horse shouldn't feel intimidated by eye contact. So eye contact is an important thing, an important step that we want to build towards and reinforce them for making eye contact. And as I go off with a horse who's rather spooky, if I see him looking, you know, and I'm taking him for trying to walk him somewhere and I see him looking out across the horizon and what is that and what is this and what is that? A lot of times I use the target at first to bring him back to me and then I click and reinforce when he touches the target. Well, pretty soon I look for him to come back to me and make eye contact. So if I can keep that horse more focused on me, if he can find it more reinforcing to focus on me than to worry about the other stuff, well, now I've got something I can work with. So eye contact is probably one of the first things I really work at and really try to establish. I think it is a really important part, but their eyes also tell you a lot about what they're feeling and what is going on with them or what might come next. So that, that one of the things, so is eyes. Another thing I'm going to look for is I'm going to look for tension in the jaw. So do I see, you know, you can see sometimes those, it's, you can see the cords of muscle are tense in their jaw. Well, that's clearly a very, very tense horse. So remember with all of these things, I want to look for focus but I really want to see relaxation. Anything I'm doing or bringing to the training equation or just our relationship, none of it should, do I want them to feel over threshold, to feel concern, to feel tension, to feel frustration. So I want everything we do to be relaxed yet bright. I don't want them so relaxed that they're shut down or not paying attention. I want them relaxed and focused. So that is what I'm really looking for in these things is more relaxation. There is, you've heard me say this before, there is inherent stress in learning. Just like if I go out and I say, Murray, we're going to learn this new thing. I'm thinking, how can I help you to understand what we're, we're, we're going to work on? He's busy going, what are, what are we going to do? How can I find the answer? He loves problem solving by now. He loves a positive reinforcement. So it's not a bad thing. It's not frustration. It's not it, it bad tension, but there is some tension in trying to find, you know, to problem solving. When I'm doing a crossword puzzle, I'm a little, if you look at my face, it may be a little bit squinched up a little bit. So, so there is going to be a little bit of tension in things as we do it, but it should really be a soft and focused and, and a, an easy kind of thing. It shouldn't look like frustration or tension or worry in any capacity. Okay. So, Looking for, like I said, the jowl muscles. You can see when they look tight, when they, some horses even go so far as grinding teeth and whatnot, that, that's really telling you something. And that's a pretty loud way that they're communicating their tension. Some of the more subtle things though, can be like their lips. So 
if you know how the top lip can get kind of square, <laughs> you know, when it's tense, a lot of times it gets a little bit square. And so that's something I look at and I pay attention to. It doesn't mean we're going to quit everything, but I'm going to look at that and I'm going to figure out what does that mean? Now I will tell you my horse Bugsy, one of the things he did, he had a square lip all the time because he was just, it was, he was like a prehensile rhinoceros. He just explored everything with that upper lip and it was the way he investigated and played with things. So knowing that I knew that his square lip didn't tell me much of anything outside the fact that he was, you know, kind of playful or investigating stuff. Now, Minty, I don't see a square lip with. So if I saw that upper lip looking kind of square and tense for Minty, that tells me something's up. That's not normal for him. So in all of these things, understanding what is a normal relaxation is really, really important. The, the hard part is some horses have a really hard time relaxing due to previous experiences. So trying to create relaxation and, and really studying when does it look slightly more relaxed, when does it look slightly more tense is, is huge information. So there's that, there's that upper lip that, like I said, can look square. There's also the bottom lip. Now, the bottom lip, oftentimes it's the chin that can get really pointy. So you'll see kind of a pursed expression with the mouth or you'll see that pointy chin. And if that, that chin looks tight and tense, that's going to tell me something. So I kind of just pay attention to it. It means little things are, are, are he's telling me little things along the way. And remember, it's all information. We're constantly, there is not, in my mind, things don't go wrong. Now they may not go as I planned or, you know, something may go unexpected that maybe I don't think it's a desirable thing, but I don't look like, I don't look at it as a mistake. I look at it as information. It gives me information and tells me I need to change something. You know, something's not, not right or that they're, you know, whatever it might be. It just gives me information. He didn't like that. He did like that. That was too much. That was too little. He maybe has pain, maybe has this, but it's all information. And so, all through the training, I feel like I'm constantly gathering information. But you know what? So is your horse. They know a lot more about our body language than we have any concept of. So keep that in mind. I want to, you want to remind you that one of the things that's really important as you work with your horse, if you start to feel your tension rise, take a deep breath, soften your shoulders, relax, think of good things that you want to do. So that are th good things in your life so that you can soften and, and convey that because they definitely social animals, particularly like horses, they really react to what's going on around them. Now they don't look at us as another horse. That's not, I don't care if I lived in a horse suit and, and slept with them. They're never going to look at me as another horse. That's not the relationship we have, but they do need to respond to environmental things to the tension that comes from me that is not maybe normal because this is information for them. This is how they survive is by reacting and being hypervigilant to all the things that go on around them. So keep your attention low. If you come in and you feel like you're having a bad day, I really want to encourage you to let it go. Don't worry about trying to do a training session that may cause you to be more tense. Do something easy like just grooming your horse and let it go and really relax and let your horse be relaxed with you. One of the things that I do, and see this I think is really actually important, this tension, because a lot of times we do something like go to a show and we get tense. 
because we're thinking, oh, I got to get dressed and I got to get, and we got to get there and I got to get to the ring and I hope we do good. And there's so much stuff that we can get tense and we convey that directly to our horses. So one of the best things we can do is relax and settle and, and not have this rigid agenda because they can sense when we have an agenda and when we don't. So uh, just a kind of a little rabbit trail I went down, but I think it's pretty important that we're conscious of our own body language as well. Okay. So we talked about the eyes. We talked about the jowl. We talked about the lips, um, upper lip, lower lip. Well, the other thing, even grinding teeth, the other thing I look at is the ears. Now there is, there's going to be some horses I find have their ears back quite often. I find that working cow horses oftentimes have their ears back. I think Mustangs kind of tend to have their ears back a bit. So I don't necessarily look at ears back and say, that's an angry horse. I, I kind of say it's information. Is that an angry horse is what I'm going to look at. I'm going to look at the other pieces of that that go with it. Does he look snarky and snaky necked or does he look kind of frustrated or is he, you know, so there's, it's, it's part of a bigger picture. So some horses, particularly when they're pursuing things can actually be, when they're pursuing things, sometimes they put their ears back as soon as they stop, they're bright again. I have seen horses that can be very, I had a little, he was a very, very well-bred, you know, he had Colonel Freckles as a cutting horse on one side and Hollywood Jack on the other side. So he was a very well-bred reigning cutting horse. And he had his ear, he was a serious little horse from a baby. He was just serious. He liked his life. He was just serious about stuff and he would play and do stuff, but it, it took a bit and he would get his ears back when he started doing some things. And it really wasn't a sign of tension in him. On the other hand, I've seen lots of horses and that it is a sign. So maybe it is a sign of some sort of tension, but not necessarily a bad tension. What I look for is that abnormal, not abnormal. Is there something we've done? A lot of people unintentionally can teach the, um, they will teach the target. So they teach them touch target, touch target, touch target, touch target. So the horse learns I touch the target and then people start moving the target. Well, now the horse is like, well, stop moving my dinner. You know, they're thinking, well, how can I move? How can I touch it if you keep moving it? And that can be frustrating to horses. So that's something to keep in mind. Is that happening? Are you doing that? Or are the ears back a sign of maybe some sort of pain? So the ears can mean a lot of different things. I kind of look for the whole big picture. Do they soften immediately? Do they, they go back to, you know, being soft and bright? Does the eye look soft? Do the other parts look soft? Or does it happen during specific things like maybe following the target? If you've only clicked for touching the target, as opposed to just pursuing the target, then they're going to have a different reaction to that because that's going to feel kind of like mean, you know, I mean, it can for some horses. So one of the things I do early on in the target training is I will bridge early just as they're going towards the target, following the target, not yet at the target. So they get the idea that the tar they're to pursue the target because remember the target is there to create behavior. So that's something to keep in mind as you watch, you know, are they, is it with movement that the ears go back? Is it, you know, there's a lot of things that the ears can mean. So they don't mean one thing. They can mean a whole lot of different things, just like all of these things. The other thing I look for, and also the ears tell me where they're focused. So if I have one ear on me and one ear 
on something else. I get that. I would think they're going to be listening to me because they're listening for a click. They want to be very focused about what I'm doing, but then they're paying attention to that, you know, the horse running in the field next to them. But sometimes those ears are so focused on something else and the eye is so focused on something else and the head's a little higher. And I get the idea. They are looking at something off in their eyes and whether I can see it or not, something has their attention. So the ears can tell you a lot about where their focus is and what they're doing as well. Um, another thing I look for, which I just kind of mentioned is their head rising. So if I, this is a really classic example of when I feel like a horse starts to go over threshold or approaches threshold, doesn't even mean over. Let's say I'm coming into the, to the stall or the arena or whichever, and I'm bringing something that they're not used to. And so I'm bringing, I'm bringing in a soccer ball you know, and I'm walking in with it. My horse is in there and he's already he's in his field or wherever he is. And he, he's kind of grazing and, you know, doing his thing. And then he sees me, looks my direction. So I guess, oh yeah, there's my human, which that part's going to be normal. And then he sees I'm carrying something and his head goes up and that feeling where their head goes up and their eyes kind of fix on what is that thing that you have. Now, this doesn't mean I need to stop everything under the sun. I need to say, okay, You've just approached threshold. What do I do now? So then I need to make decisions on how to keep them at or below threshold when this is what I saw. So it doesn't mean that we have complete worry. It just means that they've said, oh, what is that? Now, as I get closer, they may start investigating it and touching the ball or reaching out towards the ball. And that's, and then that's fine. Then we can kind of move from there and I can reinforce them for touching the ball. So they learn this new thing is not a bad thing. Now, if I start to kind of just even get a little closer and that head continues to go up, I'm going to realize this isn't a, this isn't probably the best plan to keep him under threshold, to keep him to keep him out of fight or flight. So I'm going to maybe step back a few steps and set that ball on the ground. And then I'm going to go say, Hey, I'm going to come up to you. Can we work and do a little bit, get him working with me. And then maybe I ask him if he wants to approach the ball. Now this brings, so this is to me is a classic way that I can tell when they're going over threshold is just simply where their head is and how much they raise their head. And so I think that's really important. Um, the other thing is that I, that can happen in that environment is at that point, sometimes my horse might just walk away. So if I walk in and he has the ball and he's, he's in his paddock at Liberty and he walks 15 feet away from me and that's not normal. The horses, when you start doing positive reinforcement tend to approach you. So if he goes, I'm going to walk over here, that may be his way of saying, I don't want anything to do with that ball but I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to, you know, practice this avoidance behavior and go over here and eat this. This could be a sign of tension. There's a horse I worked with and, and the, the, the little mare was having trouble with bridling. And so, um, it was a gal just wanted to learn really quick. So we had an hour to get three sessions in and explain what we're doing. So I, we do, I go in and I do the bridge conditioning, teaching her the clicker and the manners, keeping her head away. And she's great. She's all over it, but she sorts it out. She's really engaged. She's really there. I come in, but we walk around her stall and do things. And, you know, of course, pieces of grain and stuff have fallen all over. And so we're doing that. And then I come in and she's up in the front of the, I leave. And we talk about what just happened. And then I prepare him for the next part. And I go in with a target. Well, the horse this whole time has been up in the front of the stall watching us. 
standing kind of wondering what's going to happen next, engaged and interested in what, what this, what this new thing is that she's doing. I walk in with a target in my hand. She goes to the back of the stall and starts eating the grain off the ground. Now there was an older man there who was a, you know, kind of an older trainer who is kind of more traditional in his training. And I said, that's worry. And I could see eyes roll, <laughs> you know, they thought, ah, oh, golly, bleeding heart. That's not worry. And so what I did is I handed the target back out the stall door and she came right to my side and was aged and engaged again. I said, please hand me the target. You know, so I did that a little bit. And then I said, please hand me the target. And she went back. She directly went to the back and started eating the kibble in off the ground. So it was very clear. This was her way of expressing, I don't like that. I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm not going to deal with that. So sometimes it doesn't even have to look big, but that was really very clearly. She made that clear that she was uncomfortable with the target. We worked through it differently. I set it on the ground. I sat on the ground pretty soon. She's touching it and she wasn't afraid of it, but it's very clear. It was, it was a worry to her. So what they do as far as walking away is a very clear sign. And as we do positive reinforcement training and we want to be giving them choices, it is so important that they get to walk away because it, we want them to choose to do this. If that my horse walks away from me doing something, if I'm trying to work on the trail horn, he keeps walking away. I have to go, wow, this is not something you want to do. You are normally an engaged horse who likes this. And now you're telling me the trailer is a piece you don't like or the whatever thing it might be. So what there, that tells us a lot right there. And, and Liberty, when we're working at Liberty and we work on difficult things, it's really important because as they choose to come up and work with us, they're saying, I'm here. I want to do this. I want to engage with the clippers or the trailer or the target or whatever it might be. Okay. So another thing we do, we are going to watch for head shaking can be another thing that can happen. So head shaking can be just that flies around or it could be more. I watched for the feet. Are they stomping? Are they pawing? Are they, you know, about to kick? That all tells us something. Is the tail swishing? That tells me something. A lot of times I can even see how they're standing. Some horses, when they get tense, they raise that belly up, not in a, I'm working on my abs kind of way, but like I'm ready to run. I look at their stance and their posture. That all tells me something. Our, our little Taz in the beginning, you could see her feet were like, I'm ready to run if I need to. And then she'd get more comfortable. She'd stand with her feet, you know, further together and under her. So that all told me things. There's more things you can look for, but these are things I think if you start focusing on, you're going to start really recognizing. Another thing I wanted to point out about the ears, I have had clients who've wanted me to train their horses to put their ears forward and you can absolutely do that, but I don't recommend it because I want, I don't want to hide the precursors to their emotions or their feelings. So if I have a horse who expresses, you know, tension with their ears back, I want to know that they have tension. If I've taught them to put their ears forward, I may have. I, I may have taught them to hide something I want to know. It's like a horse or a dog with a growl. If you start disciplining or correcting the growl, oftentimes they won't growl to tell you I'm uncomfortable. They just go to biting, but I'd rather have the growl, you know? So I think it's really important that we do that. So, so that's a caution. You can, I do sometimes click when the ears are forward and I feel like things are softer because I want softer, but I don't necessarily recommend teaching ears forward to be on a cue or the only part. I want all that information. 
So, so anyway, that's a lot to think about and recognizing threshold that knowing is, is really important, but it really, it all comes from recognizing your horse's body language and giving him the freedom to express himself. One of the things that happens oftentimes with horses is as a horse begins to spook, people will correct the spook. Well, then the horse learns to not spook and show you that my head is high and I'm looking at that cat in the bushes. Instead, they're like, I'm not going to tell you I know. I'm not going to tell you I know. Oh my gosh, I can't handle it. And that's when people say, bolts out of nowhere. Well, it wasn't really out of nowhere. Something started happening that then it was too much and the horse bolted. So I want to know those things. I want to see those things because we have tools to address them and help them to get over those things. So we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, in our next lesson. But for now, um, so recognizing threshold, it, it really is dependent upon recognizing that body language. The little things that your horse does that tell you, I've got tension, I've got worry, uh, or I'm too excited. Sometimes it's not even that, you know, we've had some really windy days up here in New Mexico and cold and windy and coming from the summer, it's really weird. You know, all of a sudden the horses are super fresh. And so it's not always necessarily spooky as much as it is. I just got to run. So trying to teach them some of that impulse control that we talked about with Liberty leading, I think in the second lesson, but really helping them to get there, but recognizing you're too much right now. I need to do something to help you to be in a better place. So helping the horses to get that extra energy out, for example, has been something we've needed to do here more lately. So something to keep in mind. I think the fear threshold is the biggest one, but excitement threshold is also those two are ones that we really want to kind of focus on. And the body language is going to tell those things. If your horse is prancing and jigging, pretty much he's over threshold, <laughs> but by a long shot. So if he's snorting by a long shot, but sometimes they're just little snorts, you know, it's like looking at the soccer ball and they might touch it and snort and then keep touching it. And then pretty soon they're like, Oh, it's okay. I like it. So it's all to keep in mind, this is part of the art. We talk about, there's so much science in, in understanding, there's so much of science and studies that have been done to understand behavior and then how to apply that. The, what is the best way? What is the most effective way to keep, you know, a, a horse who enjoys his interactions? But, but there's science, 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 but the science doesn't get you anywhere without the art part. This is definitely the art part. This is learning to read not only your horse, Look at another horse. Does it, he may do some things that your horse does when he's fearful when he's not, you know, so that it's, it's getting to know that part is really, really important. So we are going to have some, um, exercises we are going to do. We are going to do, this is what I want you to plan for because we're going to get ready to go out and do our lab time. So what I want you to think of, I want you to think of three different places you might be able to work your horse. We've talked a lot about setting your horse up for success. So we take them to the most comfortable place to start, the place that we think we're going to get the most success. We're going to get understanding this behavior. The stronger the behavior is, the more the classic conditioning goes on, the stronger the reinforcement history, the more apt they are to perform these behaviors in other areas. But frankly, Sometimes you take them to another place. Like I use a hand target a lot. I, I use their name in a hand target. And I took Murray to do his first big demo and he's an off the track thoroughbred. So I'm sure he thought it was a quiet place. It was a little thing, but it was scary for him. And I tried using a hand target, which he responds to quite well at home. And he wouldn't respond to that hand target. I had to get out the white 
handheld target because he could visually see that white target and could recognize it. And he went to it right away. That was safety for him. So what we're going to do is so in that can be very different in different places. It was very clear. He was over threshold by his whinnying <laughs> and frantically running. So what we're going to do is take our horses to some different places. We'll start at the place where we think we're going to set them up for the most success. So the place we've done these things and pick a few behaviors that your horse has done. I'm going to work with targeting. I'm going to work with leg lifts and I'm going to work on stay. Um, so. I am going to work those things in three different places. I'm going to start at the best case scenario. So I kind of get a good gauge. Where is my horse today? And then I'm going to take them to other places. As we take them to other places, you may not be able to have them off of a halter lead rope. You may not have three different arenas or paddocks or whatever to work in. So maybe you want to have them on a halter lead rope for parts. If that's going to be the case, I would suggest working him on halter lead rope through the whole process. So that's what I'm going to be doing because I'm going to work in the arena. Then I'm going to take him out by the hay barn. This is an area we don't normally go to. It's kind of behind the barn. So that's going to have him be a little bit, that's going to have him be way more up. I think before I go to the hay barn, I'm actually going to go over by, we have a uh, cross country uh, jump with water. And so I'm going to take them over there because we have gone there to do some stuff, not all the time. So it's still kind of new, but kind of familiar. So, I mean, he's probably gone a, a dozen times in two years. So it's not super familiar. Then I'm going to go ask him to work by the hay barn, which I anticipate will be much more uh, challenging. And, and, and frankly, the walk over there will probably be challenging. So what I want you to do is go get your horse, get ready, get your side bucket full or get extra buckets if you need it. Um, and think of the three behaviors you want to work with. I definitely would also bring, if your horse knows a target, I think targeting is a really good one because as we talked about earlier uh, in the targeting lesson, it can actually be quite calming and soothing. So if your horse, if it's too much, we don't need to push it to being way over threshold, but just where do you see it start to change so we can focus on what we see in our horses. So that's what we're going to do. This is kind of a weird one. So get your little pieces together, get, get all ready and turn this off and come back in when you're ready and we will carry on and we will go on a little walkabout and see what we can see in our horses. All righty, here we go with our big experiment. And it really kind of is an experiment because we're we're going to a little bit more unfamiliar places or unfamiliar situations and really trying to watch and glean information. So I've got with me today, I've got my Murray. Murray is an off-the-track thoroughbred, and he is he came to me where he was suspicious of the world. He did not like people. His first reaction was a threat to raise his leg. He didn't really kick at you, but he said, I might. <laughs> and, he, and if I weren't paying attention to his body language, he probably would have. But when I saw kind of little thing, like him just lift his leg a little bit, I'm like, okay, I get it. You, you, This is threatening to you and this isn't comfortable. So I would go slower and build up to that. Now I can recognize he usually doesn't lift his leg anymore, but I do see him maybe cock that leg. He cocks his legs a lot, but not that's his relaxed stance too. 
So I look at the whole body. Is that just to relax? I'm just standing with my hips like that because I like to do that. Does my face look soft? Is my head in a low position? Is my tail nice and still? Or is it kind of, is there tension in his body? Is there tension in that hiney muscle? Is it, does he look cautious and watching me with his eyes? That can be very different information. So I'm taking Murray because he is, he is one that is more reactive than not. So he's going to give me a lot of information. So I like that. And we have colder weather now that is new for us. It's, you know, we're up at elevation. So we get kind of cold, blustery fall weather pretty sharply after summer. And that's what we're in right now. So it's kind of a sudden change. So I'm going to go. He's in the arena right now. And I'm going to go put his halter and lead rope on and do um, a couple little things with him. Murray. Good boy. Okay. So he came over just like he always does. So I clicked him and I fed him. Now I also, I'm going to pay attention to how he eats because one of the things I know Murray can do, he'll start eating more distractedly when he gets worried and kind of be looking off at something else and his lips and teeth are moving, but he's not really focused on the eating. Other horses can get really snatchy when they get worried. So I'll feel like, oh, like, why are you eating like that? And it's tension. Tension has come in for some reason. So that's another little thing we can go to. So he's great. He's in his halter lead rope. And now I'm just going to ask him to target. Hey, Murray, in target. Good. And that was good. And I had the target a little bit short. I'm just going to extend it a bit. I clicked and fed him for that because that's normal. That's easy. That's status quo, you know, it's something we use all the time and, and he loves a target. So it is a bit of a safety thing for him. So when I know I'm going on walks to scary places, I have the target. So if I start to have too much Murray on my hands, I can use a target to help him go, Hey, can you focus and come back to me? And it's really important. So that's great. So I'm going to hold it out again. I, I made it, I extended it now. So it's longer target. Good. Click feed. And he is great. Okay, that's good. I gave him a couple handfuls. I'm going to go around to his side and ask him if I can have a leg. Okay, your leg. Good, excellent. So what I've taught him to do is to, to hold his leg up for a moment as long as I'm still pointing. I could get better criteria on that, but or better cues on that. But, that, but for now, that's what he did. So he gave that to me. Now I'm going to go to a back leg, and that's great. Good. I've clicked and fed that one as well. And so everything is normal. This is all good, normal him. I'm going to do a stay. I have the halter and lead rope, so this is going to be a little bit weird. So I'm not going to go where I walk around him, obviously. But I'm just going to rock back from him and see that he does the very beginning elements of stay. Murray, can you stay? And his eye rocked back. Okay. <laughs> good boy. Okay. So I haven't done it with the halter and lead rope on. So he kind of started to think we're going somewhere. So I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to put the, the rope over his neck for a moment. So he gets the idea of the stay. Cause I actually had it in my hand. I wasn't pulling it cause I have a very long lead rope, but he, he, he even knew that the rope was kind of moving. So he was following. So I'm going to lead it over his neck. Okay. Murray, can you stay? Good boy. So I just took an approximation back. I clicked and fed him for that. Um, and so I made it easier. I went back to an early phase of it and that was great. Can you stay? That was 
good. Okay, and there I stepped back like four steps and he was good. That's more than I'm going to do with the halter and lead rope. But my point in this exercise was to get him on board to remind him what we're doing and what the criteria is because having the halter in my hand or uh, the, the rope in my hand kind of changed things a little bit. So now I'm going to hold the rope and I'm not going to even step back. I'm just going to rock to my back foot. Hey, Murray, can you stay? Okay, excellent. So I fed him for that. So that's not really much of a stay, but that's okay. Just shows he's paying attention. So we're good. We're going to move now. I'm going to take him and we're going to walk. I'm in the indoor arena. So the, 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 beside us is, um, not that far away, but we're going to, we're walking and making our way. Let me get this gate first. Okay, there we go. We're making our way out to the, uh, it's the jumps, the water jump out there. So we have that little pond that we can wade through, but I, I, we're not wading through it. We're just going, I'm not wearing boots that are appropriate. So we're just going to go out to that area and work a little bit. Okay. And as we walk out now, I'm paying attention for body language. He walks out of the arena. He's in the arena. Everything is relaxed and calm. He knows what to do. He's bright, but not too bright. That's all good. Now we've walked out the side door. Now keep in mind, mostly when we're going to the other arenas, we go out, either he'll go to the walker out a different door or he'll go, he goes, going out this door isn't his normal state of affairs. Not that he doesn't go there. I do go there, you know, but, but it, it always means something a little different. So as soon as I walked out the door, his head's up and he's looking around a bit right now. I could see him kind of taking in the environment. So what do I see? I see eyes are a little bit big. Head is definitely higher. Head is going back and forth. Ears are moving all over the place. Mouth and jaw still look relaxed. Tail looks relaxed. Walking is relaxed. Well, it, walking's a little tenser, but that's because his head's high and he's looking around. So what I'm going to do, so that's good. That just tells me he's a little bit over threshold. Good. Just now what he did, he brought his eye contact back to me. So I clicked and reinforced him for that. So I want to... As much as I see where he's going, and he is going a little bit more over threshold, I still like the moments when he checks in because I still want to be shaping it down to softening even in these more challenging environments. In fact, particularly in these more challenging environments. It's not really our goal for today, but I can't help but want to do it because it's just a good practice. So as I see him kind of come back to me a bit, I reinforce him for that. He's still bigger than he was. He see his eyes are looking around again, but he's chewing. If your horse is not taking food, that tells you something right there. That's definitely over threshold. So he is taking food. He's taking his food normally. He's not eating it where he is all distracted, but I can see his eyes and head are looking around. Now that he's chewing and walking with me, he is actually looking a bit softer because he's busy enjoying his food. Okay. Now we're going to stop over here. Kind of by the, there's a, there's a jump right here. We're going to stand by this. And Murray, can you target? Good. Okay. So I clicked and reinforced him. So what he did, he had a moment's pause where he kind of looked off and then he came back and got to the targeting. But I saw a pretty big change from when he was looking off, like I'm just making sure what's around me to then he saw the target. He let go of that and he softened as he went to the target. I could see his eyes soften. He just, it, it gave him clarity and it is something good in his environment. So it was actually really good to see the change from a little bit distracted to more with me. So that was good. I'm going to make it longer again and I'm going to kind of hold it down low target. 
Good. Clayton reinforced that one. He went right to it without hesitation. Okay. Going to do a high one. Remember, if your horse, this is something he does know high targets. So if your horse doesn't know a high target, this isn't the place to start it. Just because it's a little fearful for some horses initially. It's like, why is it up there? So he targeted up high very nicely. I feel like right now he's back to just kind of being focused on me. So that is really good. Now, as he's eating, I do see him looking around a bit. Okay. Hey, Murray, can I have a leg? There you go. So he started to lift it, and then he kind of hesitated, then he lifted it. So I only clicked when he lifted it further. I did say good, which he kind of knows my words are coaching words, but I didn't click him until he actually showed that he was going to lift it. Again, it was a little more distracted. I think with me at his head, I'm easier to focus on. The target's easier to focus on. Me at the side isn't as easy to focus on. It's easier to find other things to focus on. So we kind of went back up to that first place. Okay, target, uh, not target, uh, leg. And he lifted it quicker that time. He's still kind of distracted, but that's okay. Okay, and I'm not even going to worry about the stay because I think that's just confusing, to be honest, right now. So I don't need to add any new things as we're learning. I want to use things that are really familiar. And while this, the stay is familiar with the lead rope, it isn't. So we're just going to work on leg lifts and target. So uh, now we're going to make our way. We're going to walk behind the barn and I'm going to talk to you while we're doing that. So I saw a moderately different Murray, still one that could focus, still one that could, you know, choose to do the behavior and got better with it better with me at the front than at the side but he I still had a horse that if I did this you know a little more frequently it, it, he would he would just be out here and not care it was clear he could focus in this little bit of change okay so now as we're walking to behind the barn where there are no horses so this is an area I do walk him back here but I can see he is really, okay, okay, wait a second. He sees a drag on the ground that's not always there. So he <laughs> he is stopped and he is looking at it with very big eyes. So I am going to use a target and I held the target three inches in target. Good boy. And I clicked and reinforced him for that. I held the tar target three inches in front of his face. Now he targeted he still had his eye on the drag on the ground. He doesn't like stuff on the ground. That's a that's a Murray thing, and I know that from him. Some horses don't like things way off. Some horses don't. He doesn't like things on the ground. So he, um, as he, and that's not normally there. So it was a, it's in a different place. And so he is looking at it, I'm reinforcing him. And now I'm going to hold the target a little bit further ahead. So now I'm. I'm, I'm asking a little bit more. It's still an invite and he knows it's an invite. He knows he doesn't have to do anything with me. He knows I'm not going to make him do anything. It's all his choice. But he also knows through long time work in, in history, he also knows that uh, new things, because horses tend to be kind of neophobic, but new, he's learned, I've really worked on that new things actually are pretty good. We still have a ways to go. But he has his curiosity comes out a bit now. It didn't used to in the beginning. He used to just freeze and not do anything. Now it gives me more reaction, which I like. 
you know, he, he stopped and showed me and he kind of got a little bit low there for a second. So now he's kind of back standing up and he doesn't look bracy in his feet. He doesn't look like he's about to leave in his feet, but his head is very reaching apprehensively, trying not to move his feet. So he touched the target, which was ahead of him. And that's good. And I'm going to reinforce. And then I'm going to hold it a little bit further ahead. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So what he did there, he tried to reach with his head. And then you could see he brought his feet forward. He moved his front feet forward. So I will take that and I'm going to reinforce him. Now, I know that with Murray, when he sees new things and we get over him, that this is actually a process we get through and he has a history and knows this. So I'm going to work a little further. If I didn't know the horse or if we hadn't been through this, I would just say, can you look at it? And I would feed him a lot and say, that's great. Let's leave. So I, this is aversive for him the new things are scary so for a horse that we hadn't worked through this procedure already then i would take them on their way i'd say that's good you just looked at it good enough here's a pile of food and we're going to leave and and then let that be and i would step away so that i didn't try to sometimes walking too close you can get them to scoot into you so i'm gonna i would walk away where we kind of worked furthest we could away from it before we continued to pass it but Murray does know this. And if I even start to leave, he will kind of stay here. I'll even try it. Murray, let's go. <laughs> see, that's exactly what he does. So he kind of, you could see, he didn't want to walk away with me. He stays looking at it. So I'm going to kind of stand, come back up here again. I'm going to get between him and the object so he can get to it. But I'm kind of at his shoulder. So he has the comfort of me being there. And by now it is very clear Murray finds me a comfort because I'm classically conditioned and I represent, I have good, strong reinforcement history. So, and he knows that this is probably going to be safe, even though it's a little unusual to him. So he doesn't, he wants to see it. His curiosity gets there. So I'm going to ask him to target up to it. Okay, good. Now what I can see, now he's within a couple inches of it and I can see him completely soften. So now he's close enough to it. Well, not completely, but he softened a, a vast degree because now he's close enough to it that he can see it and he recognizes that it's not something that's going to, he knows it's some inanimate object. So he softened. He didn't know what it was. He couldn't quite figure out what it was. Now he's close enough. He knows it's okay. Now he's reaching and touching it on his own. And even when I click and feed him, he goes back and investigates with his nose. So this is what I knew Murray would do and what he likes to do. And now he stands by it and he's relaxed and he knows he's safe again. So that's good. We didn't even get to the hay barn area yet, but so be it. That's what happens. So now we're going to walk on our way. Okay, so now we're over kind of by the hay barn. We're just in the middle of sort of a no man's land that he doesn't go to. So it's not as scary as being by the, the, the drag that was on the ground. So now we're over here and I'm going to ask him to target. And actually, he looks pretty good here. I anticipated him being a little worse over here, but he's not today. And, and maybe it's because we just dealt with the other thing <laughs> and he feels safer now. So now he's just targeting pretty much like normal. He's looking around, but not, he's looking around and he's alert. His ears are forward. His head is up a little bit, but I don't feel like he, he, he's a kite. You know, I don't feel like he's really too worried about anything. I feel like he's just taking it all in. So can you target? Good. Click and reinforce. That's fantastico. 
Okay, good boy. And then, can you come over here and target? So I asked him to walk forward a little bit, and he came right up there. And that told me how did he move forward? Did he move kind of stiff and looky, or did he just step into it? And he just pretty much stepped into it. So that's really good. Okay, could I have a leg? And he lifted his leg quite nicely. Okay, so... So he is in a good place now. That part was a little bit of surprise. I thought I was building to his worst place, but it really was better than I thought he would be. But we did have that little startle along the way, which maybe helped him to kind of, in comparison, it was all good. So this is where I'm going to end my session. I'm just going to reinforce him right over here and reinforce him for being out here. And I reinforce a lot when I'm in new places so that he does learn since they are kind of neophobic, he learns that new places, new things, new situations, new behaviors, that they're all good. Having new things come up is a good thing and they always end well. So I'm reinforcing him quite a bit there. And I'm going to just pay attention. But as we're going home, things tend to be pretty relaxed because he can see where he's going by now and we're getting back to familiar land. So what I want you to do is if you're in a good place, you wrap it up. When you're in a good place, you wrap it up and get back to get put your horse away, put your stuff away, get all ready. And then we're going to talk about our homework. And of course, the homework's important because this gives you ideas of what to do and what to ways to progress with this and, and get better at and, and get to reading your horse's emotions a little better. Okay. So, talk to you in a few. Okay, so as we we're out there, of course, we were working with our horses and we're going to have some homework because the homework is really an important part of this because you have two weeks until your next lesson comes up. So this gives you time to work on some things and to get your horse in a good place. And the next exercise is going to under saddle for the next lesson. So getting this part worked out and understanding your horse's body language is really, really important. So we're going to get to some homework and some things you can do and a little bit of a review. And one of the things that you'll notice when we're out there, people always ask, what do you feed? Do you feed treats? What do you feed? I tend to feed the cavalier feed. The cavalier feed is very low in sugars. So I'm, and this is part of their diet from the day. This is what they eat during their day. So I have used part of their food and I mix it with some hay pellets, um, some food and hay pellets to use our training sessions. And cavalier is a great food. It's very minimally processed. It's, it's something that's really actually the ilks of it are kind of hard to find in the United States because it's a European company, but it's really been great. And I've seen a lot of great things with our horses. So let's learn more about Kevlar. As we progress through the clicker training exercises, we talk about feeding the horse each time you use the clicker. Sometimes, most of the time I use feed, but sometimes I use treats. And I love the Kevlar feed and the Kevlar treats because they use the highest quality ingredients. I can feed a lot of it and I know it's healthy and a safe alternative to the highly processed feeds. So I think it's important that we can feel really comfortable about feeding a lot of the feed without thinking or loading them down with sugar. And that's what you get with Cavalor. With the Cavalor feeds, you can also actually see the ingredients. So it looks like a cereal you and I would eat. And in fact, I've tasted it and it's pretty good. <laughs> and the best part is Cavalor's team is easy to work with. 
You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page, and a real-life person will call you back to personally talk through your horse's nutritional needs. Learn more about the products at www.cavalor.us or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalor North America. You'll be glad you did. All righty. So the homework's going to be a little different this time. I think doing these kind of exercises and walking and leading them places is great because it gives you a lot of information about your horse. So I would continue to do that and take them new places and making it really um, really reinforcing for them to be in new places. That's kind of a side homework, frankly, but that'd be your despooking homework. But I think it's really important that we continue to progress with these things. But what I would like you to do is observe your horse in, with, in other situations. So when your horse is turned out, what does he do? How does he explore his environment? Sometimes what I like to do is put something foreign into their environment. So something that they're not used to seeing, watch how they explore it. How do they approach it? What do they think about it? So they're on their own. They're not, you know, you put them in a paddock and you put something new in there that they're not used to seeing. How do they approach it? What do they do? What do they go through? Look at their body language. Look at their face. Look at all those pieces. You know, are they vocalizing? Are they snorting? Are they? So that's a great way to do is put something in with them and see how they respond. Another thing to do is if your horse does live with others, um, or again, be turned out with others, watch him interact socially and, and watch what does he do? What kind of facial expressions does your horse do? Watch him negotiate where the other horses are, or is he the one that pushes right up and the other horses are negotiating? So this is a great opportunity to actually watch the other horses as well. So now you're starting to see not only your horse, but you can watch other horses and see how do they respond? What is their response? What are their facial expressions look like? How do they interact with one another? So I think doing some of these things and, and then the next day you put different things in with them, you know, that they can save things obviously, but in their environment and watching how they process and look through all those things can give you a lot of information and get you better and better and better about your horse. And now that you know these things and we've talked about these things, I want you to pay attention to them all the time. You know, when you have your horse in the cross ties, does he look nice and calm and relaxed or does he look a little bit extra worried or extra vigilant? Or is he really calm and relaxed till the other horse comes in? And then all of a sudden he looks a little grumpy or, or is he pretty good until the other horse leaves? And now he's seeming agitated and unhappy or, or agitated just more so. It doesn't even have to be extreme. It doesn't mean he went into full on separation anxiety, but it could be that he's more comfortable with another horse there. And little things will tell you, is his head stay the same? Does he look more relaxed? Where's his eye? What's his focus? So in all the things you do with your horse in the next couple of weeks, I want you to pay attention to what they're doing and how they how they respond differently. If something changes, what do they do? How does that respond? If there's a sudden noise, how do they respond? Because this is going to give you a lot of information about your horse. Okay. Well, you, that's a whole big giant spectrum of things to do, but, but, but good and healthy and will really advance your relationship with your horse. Um, you can listen on most of your favorite podcast players to this and the other lessons. You can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app for uh, iOS and Android. Of course, it is free and it is super easy to, to use. Just search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. 
And uh, be sure to gr- also visit all the other great shows that the Horse Radio Network has available. If you're not familiar with them, you're missing out. So get get there's lots. There's loads to, to listen to and lots of fun things to some fun, some just informational, but go to Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com and check out their other shows. If you want to learn more about me or what I'm doing, you can go to www.on-target-training.com or find out my schedule at uh, and what we're up to at Terra Nova. So that would be www.terranovatrainingcenter.com. Terra Nova is T-E-R-R-A-N-O-V-A. So terranovatrainingcenter.com. That should give you lots of information about all sorts of things. And of course, you can find not only my podcast, but also uh, my Ask Shauna questions and uh, that take you to my YouTube channel. So there you go. That's it. Until next time, enjoy getting your horse on target. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>